The Z-Ball Podcast is a casual conversation that occasionally delves into mature subjects and may contain vulgar adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Z-Ball Podcast. The NBA final, uh, NBA playoffs, excuse me, the 2018 NBA playoffs are now upon us. Uh, we got exciting matchups in both the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. And on the line joining me to get discuss all this from San Diego, California, diehard Los Angeles Lakers fan, Jay. What up, Jay? How's it going? What's up, my brother from another mother, Z-Ball? Uh, nothing much. I'm uh, looking forward to these uh, exciting matchups. But uh, before we get into the matchups, uh, let's kind of go over uh, kind of some of these regular season awards. So I guess we'll go ahead and start with the uh, coach of the year. So uh, based on uh, everything that played on the regular season, who gets your vote for coach of the year? Uh, I'm going to go Mike Dantone. I think he's doing a pretty good job this year. As uh, I, I get he gets my vote for coach of the year. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, Houston Rockets, obviously, uh, first place in the entire NBA, sixty-five wins. Uh, James Harden, Chris Paul, uh, or questions going into the season whether they would be able to coexist to uh, ball dominant players. But uh, kind of some other candidates that are kind of running for coach of the year: uh, Terry Stotts, Portland; uh, Quinn Snyder, the Jazz; Brett Brown of Philly, Philadelphia. Dwayne Casey, Toronto, uh, Brad Stevens, of course, of Boston. Uh, but just given how everything has played out uh, and then uh, basically how bad this team was the past couple seasons, uh, my vote has to go to Brett Brown for the Sixers. I, I think ending the season on a 16-game winning streak, I think Joel Embiid, I think, has missed uh, a lion's share of that win streak. I just uh, have been really impressed with uh, Brett Brown and Philadelphia's uh, progress this season. I think they were predicted to win uh, about 41, 42 games. They exceeded that by 10 wins and ended up winning 52. So I'm going to go Brett Brown, Coach of the Year. And uh, with that, we'll go into Most Improved Player. What do you think for Most Improved Player? Uh, Most Improved, huh? Uh, Let's get your your thoughts, man. Honestly, I don't have a pick for Most Improved right now. Most Improved Player, uh, I mean, the, the list is probably short. Uh, the only one that really comes to mind for me is Victor Oladipo of the Pacers. Uh, this is the kind of play that we're seeing from him uh, that we all thought we would see uh, when he was drafted number two overall in 2013 out of uh, Indiana University. Uh, we didn't really see – we kind of saw flashes of this in Orlando and when he was the sole star on a young team. And then last year when he was in Oklahoma City with playing alongside Russell Westbrook, he kind of struggled a little, and uh, there were some questions. And then, obviously, he got traded to Indiana for Paul George, and everybody kind of immediately thought that uh, the the Thunder came out on the better side of that deal and ultimately won the trade. But uh, turned out very well for Indiana. I mean, he went back where he played college in the state where he played co- uh, college basketball, and he averaged I think twenty three, twenty four points this season, and led the Pacers to 48 wins and a number five seed in the Eastern Conference. So that's really the only name comes to mind for me, and I'm going with Victor Oladipo for most improved. Yeah, uh, I mean, now that you mentioned it, I definitely have to probably agree with you with that one. Um, I definitely has a time, you know, without Westbrook, he definitely shined. You know, I think he got, didn't he get, a, he got an all-star this year, right? Uh, yeah, he was an all-star res- reserve, I think. I I forgot it. I think he was on Team LeBron, if I remember correctly. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, um, without Westbrook, he's kind of kind of taking that more bigger leadership role, and he's really uh, stood out on his own this year for sure. So yeah, I'll go with Victor uh, Oladipo as well. Okay, we'll agree on that one, and then uh, we'll move on to Six Man of the Year. What do you think, Six Man of the Year? Ah, uh, Six Man. Uh... I'm going Lou Williams, man. I really like his play. Uh, I know Clippers really didn't make the playoffs. They kind of were up and down all year, but 
I really like Lou Williams. I think he's got snow for the All-Star. So, but my vote definitely got to be Lou Williams. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with Lou Williams 100%. I mean, I I think he I believe he's the first player in NBA history uh, coming off the bench to lead his points team in points per game and assists per game. So that's a quite an impressive feat. And then obviously we know the Clippers, uh, kind of a lot of injuries, a lot of stuff going on. They traded Blake Griffin. Obviously Chris Paul left in the offseason. So it was just a whole new roster pretty much. And Lou Williams, I, I, I believe uh, – kind of shined as one of the best players on the team and led the team in scoring off the bench and also in assists per game. And he's all he's always kind of in the running for a six-man, and I think he's definitely, hands down, in my opinion, the six-man f- for this season. And with that, we'll move on to uh, Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, kind of some candidates, uh, Rudy Gobert, uh, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, uh, Joel Embiid, uh, what are your thoughts? Who gets your vote for Defensive Player of the Year? Um, for this one, I'll go with uh, Rudy uh, Gobert, man, for this one. I think he's definitely stepped up this year, you know, getting on both sides of the floor, and he's been anchoring that job defense, I think. Yeah, I think Rudy Gobert gets the vote. I think uh, that Jazz de- uh, team, I think, is predicated on def- defense and pace. I think that's how they—that's their identity, and that's how they kind of um, made a name for themselves and pushed themselves into the playoffs into the fifth seed. So, I think he's the anchor of that, like you mentioned. And I think he's—they call him the stifle. They don't call him the stifle tower for no reason. I think he's excellent defensively. He blocks a lot of shots. Uh, he's a good paint protector, and he moves well laterally as well uh, out on the paint and. Up, up top on when he defends guards and wings. So I think he's all all around good defensive player and he anchors one of the better defensive teams in the entire NBA. So I think that's uh, the entire package. And he, he, I think he's very worthy of defensive player of the year for 2018. So with that, we'll move on to... What was that? Sorry? Oh, I said most definitely. Yeah, I agree with you. Okay, with that, uh, we got two more uh, regular season awards. Uh, we're going to Rookie of the Year now. Uh, so it's pretty much between two guys, probably Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell. Who gets your vote? I think Alonzo Ball, man. No, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> definitely Alonzo Ball. You know, I'm, I mean, I like definitely, I think Simmons has a, a better feature than Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I don't know, he kind of reminds me of like a LeBron type, but... You know, his teammate to play on, so I think he was a big part of it. But Donovan Mitchell, man, he, he uh, for a first year, you know, I think he averaged like something like 20 points and uh, like just a couple of assists and rebounds. His field goal percentage is all right, you know. I mean, for a rookie, I guess he's pretty, well, I think he's like 45% or so. But Simmons, man, you know, I feel like every other night he was like doing a triple double or something. But uh, I guess if I have to vote, uh, I mean, Ben Simmons, man. You know, he got that all-around game. I think he averaged, what, like, 16 points, like 8-8, eight and eight, right, I think? And uh, yeah, I think so. 50% from the field as well. Yeah, 54% as a as a rookie, I mean, is very impressive. I mean, uh, in comparison, uh, just for some perspective, LeBron as a rookie, 42% from the field. So uh, 54 or 53% from the field, uh, that's very impressive. And... And that's even more impressive that you take into account that Ben Simmons' his jump shot is pretty much non-existent at this point in his career. Yeah. So, but Donovan Mitchell, much respect to him coming out of Louisville. Uh, with the Jazz losing Gordon Hayward in the offseason, kind of losing that go-to guy uh, offensively, he, I mean, he pretty much stepped up and led all rookies in scoring with, I think, over 20 points a game. And he, he also shoots a three-ball well. But like I said, the Jazz are predicated on their slow pace, their defense. I think that's more important to their uh, them finishing in the fifth seed than Donovan Mitchell, uh, Donovan Mitchell's con- contribution. And then, like I said, Ben Simmons' 16-game winning streak they ended the season on. And a lot of people will say Joel Embiid, is, he has Joel Embiid, but uh, Joel Embiid missed, yeah, <laughs> he missed a, a majority of those games, and they, they still shined. But... Uh, I, I think the whole entire package of Ben Simmons, I think, just trumps uh, Donovan Mitchell, in my opinion. And I think Ben Simmons has to get my vote. And a lot of people will say he, he's not really a rookie, but I guess he's eligible. So 
that he's going to get my vote. Kind of saw that Blake Griffin a couple years ago where he like broke his kneecap or whatever and came back. I think he won rookie, right, Blake Griffin? Uh, yeah, I believe so, yeah. So it's yeah, kind of a weird rule, but uh, that's the rule. So I, I guess he's eligible to win it, it, and he's probably going to win it in my opinion. So. Yeah, but it's all on game. Uh, I definitely like watching him play whenever I get a chance. And uh, kind of like that magic LeBron type player, don't you think so? No yeah. Shot yeah, I mean, he's definitely like a magic LeBron. I mean, he's a bigger guy, 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, uh, he's athletic. Uh, I think the the difference between him, him and Magic, I think Magic wasn't as good of a defender. I think he has uh, better tools to be kind of a better defender, more versatile type defender, kind of like LeBron was in his prime years. LeBron, obviously, as he's climbing in age, is losing that defensive flair. As we've all seen, uh, the Cavaliers are <laughs> not very good defensively the past couple seasons. And a lot of that has to do with, I kind of, with LeBron aging and also a lot of other players on their team. But uh, with that being said, we'll agree on that one. And we'll go into uh, the last award, uh, the most important one, I, I guess, each season as far as uh, from an individual player's perspective. The MVP, most valuable player. Uh, what do you think on this one? I mean, I guess the popular vote could be James Harvard. But I mean, LeBron James, man, I mean. Being in his 15th year, I mean, more than anything, I think he's shown such great durability this year. I mean, and the stats he put up, but with all the shit that's going down in Cleveland this year, you know, he did, and what, they're fourth place. Yeah. I mean, if I bet my money on it, it's going to be James Harden because I think some people would say he kind of deserved it last year. I think definitely James Harden thought he deserved it last year. I think I, he's just due for the MVP. So if I have to pick, I'd be James Harden, but I mean, I really like LeBron's play this year, and he's been super consistent with everything that's going on with all the trades, and you know, he got a batch of group in the beginning, and he basically turned it all around in all-star break, and had to kind of adjust and kind of incorporate everyone else, and he's still putting up monster numbers, so, but uh, I gotta give it to James Harden, because he's right? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much between LeBron and James Harden. Obviously, James Harden, I think, gets the vote. I mean, obviously, like you mentioned, he should have probably won in 2017. Uh, a lot of people argue that he probably should have won in 2015 as well. Uh, he So he's kind of missed out both of those seasons, and he's kind of due. And then this season, obviously, the Rockets won, Rockets won 60, 65 games. Excuse me. Uh, Harden average, I think, 31 points, 8 rebounds, and like 10 assists or something like something along those lines. And I think he's just due, like you said, and I think he's the MVP. But LeBron, obviously, you mentioned kind of the durability. I think his uh, 15th season and 15th straight season, I mean, he's pretty much played uh, 70 games or more in each each full season with the exception, I think, of one season and that w- that season, I think, was like 69 games. From a durability standpoint, I think maybe only Kareem, from a historic st- historical standpoint, kind of matches the durability, the elite-level durability of LeBron. So uh, and it's impressive to see. But just kind of the LeBron barely getting to 50 wins and all the chaos in Cleveland, all those kind of dry stretches where they, in the beginning of the season, where they lost to some bad teams and then kind of through this December, early January when they were kind of implementing Isaiah into the offense and then having to trade him. So just a lot of stuff going on. So from a team's perspective, Cleveland wasn't as consistent as the Houston Rockets were. So that's why I think James Harden is more worthy. And like you said, he's due. So James Harden, very worthy. I think near, almost near 30 PER, which is pretty historic company. So I think he just missed out on that. So I think James Harden is is the most likely pick here. I don't know if it will be unanimous, but he's very worthy of it, and he's very deserving of it. So we'll both agree on that one. And with that, we'll get into the exciting playoff series, and we'll start in the Eastern Conference. So we have the 1-8 matchup, the one-seed Toronto Raptors, we the North, hosting the Washington Wizards. Uh, what do you think about this series? I mean, it's pretty interesting uh, now that John Wall has come back. Washington has their full arsenal. And I believe they, these teams uh, played a couple seasons ago, and the Wizards uh, swept the Raptors. So they 
they're kind of familiar with the Raptors, but obviously this is a different Raptors team, more up-tempo type offense. Uh, DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry seem like they're much better jump shooters now. They play uh, more up-tempo, like I mentioned, and they're more deeper now on their bench, it seems like. So what do you think uh, happens this, in this series, and who do you ulti- ultimately think wins the series and in how many games? I think Toronto was kind of that team that kind of went under the radar this year. Um, you know, they almost got 60 wins, 59 wins. Not a lot of people give them a lot of credit for what they did this year, but I thought they were pretty impressive. But, you know, Washington, yeah, they do have John Wall back. I mean, who knows how healthy he actually is, even though he's back. But I, I'm i going to pick with Toronto in five. I mean, if you kind of look at uh, Washington, I think they lost I think with the schedule. I think they lost like 14 of the last... 20-something games. I mean, they're going into playoffs cold. And, you know, Toronto's been consistent all year. And like you said, you know, DeMar and Kyle Lowry, uh, the jump shot's going. So I think Toronto at five. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree. Uh, although I, I really like Washington's teams. I mean, with John Wall and Bradley Beal, uh, one of the better backcourts in the league. When they're healthy, they're a really good team. I mean, but like you mentioned, uh, they're kind of cold going in the playoffs. And then Toronto, uh, 59 wins, obviously a franchise record. The one seed, uh, I think they're the pit. I, I'm going to go with them in six games in this series. I think they beat Washington in six games. And contrary to uh, what's happened before and past uh, playoffs, uh, I think Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan will perform and will perform in big situations and have uh, big games. They won't really kind of uh, come up come up short, come up cold in these games. I think they'll perform to their expectations, to their standards. And I think Toronto will finally win a, a, a game one at home in the playoffs, in my opinion, in the la- with this uh, kind of Lowry, DeRozan, uh, Dwayne Casey era. So yeah. I'm going to go, t- <laughs> yeah, Toronto and six in this one, and we'll both agree on that one. And uh, we'll, move on, we'll move on to the next matchup in the Eastern Conference playoffs. First round, uh... The 2-7 matchup, the Boston Celtics hosting the Milwaukee Bucks. Boston, obviously, coming into this uh, series, banged up. Uh, a few weeks ago, we heard that Kyrie will be getting uh, knee surgery on a bruised kneecap that he s- sustained in the 2015 NBA Finals and missing the entire uh, postseason. will return in September. Obviously, Gordon Hayward went down within the first five minutes of the season their big offseason acquisition. And now it's just a bunch of young guys like Jalen Brown, uh, Jason Tatum, to go along with uh, journeyman Al Horford and Shane Larkin, kind of a bunch of bench guys, and then led by their young coach, Brad Stevens. So what do you see in this series, 2-7, Boston versus Milwaukee? What do you think happens? Oh, man, I wish they had Kyrie. That would have been fun to watch. Uh, I'm definitely a big fan of Kyrie. And it's very unfortunate it went down, but... And with the Greek freak and Boston relatively being a very young team besides, you know, Al Horford, I think. They're they're veteran. But I'm gonna go with Milwaukee and Six Oh, okay. Yeah, Milwaukee is a team that I think even with Kyrie kinda of presents uh problems to Boston just because their entire starting lineup, I mean, they're just a bunch of long guys with I mean, Chris Middleton, uh Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, Thon Maker, Jabari Parker, just a bunch of long, long athletic guys across their whole starting lineup. So I think they present a lot of matchup problems. But uh, I think Boston, I mean, even though they're missing Kyrie, I think they can get through this series, in my opinion, in the first round. I, I'm going to go Boston in seven in this one. I, I think Brad Stevens is an excellent coach. And then I think these young guys, Jalen Brown has shown a lot of growth uh, in his second season. Jason Tatum uh, (coughs) is probably one of the five, six best rookies this season. And then (coughs) all these other guys kind of behind are going to have to step up, and I think they will. I think it will be an all-around effort, kind of a nine-man, ten-man rotation. And I think they'll just squeak by Milwaukee, who is kind of still young and kind of hasn't put it all together. So I'm going to go Boston in seven, but it should be an exciting series and it kind of some intrigue now that uh, that Kyrie is out for the whole season. So, But it should be an exciting series, and we'll see what happens in that one. <coughs> and 
With that, we'll move on to the 3-6 matchup. The Philadelphia 76ers coming off 16 straight wins to end the, the regular season. Uh, facing off against the 6th seed, the Miami Heat. What do you think happens to this series? Um, I definitely got Sixers winning this series, but I don't think it's going to be like a cakewalk. Um, you know, every sports <coughs> teams are pretty solid. Defensively, I think they'll be good. But you know, a lot of people are hyping up the Sixers. I know they got they came up with 16 wins. They're going in pretty the hottest team in the NBA, right? Going uh, in the playoffs with 16 wins in a row. But if you kind of look at their streak, they didn't beat a lot of good teams. Yeah. Um, you know, Minnesota's one of them that was good to beat Cleveland. And the rest, honestly, when I'm looking at the their win streak, it's not that impressive. I mean, you got Brooklyn, you got Charlotte, Memphis, the Knicks. But, you know, they're going hot. I'm, I'm sure. I think Embiid is not really actually going to play. Yeah, um, I don't think Embiid is going to play in this series. Pro- most likely not. But even then, I think they're still going to win. So, you know, they're a very young team. Oh, who's their veteran? Uh, JJ Redick. JJ Redick and is probably their most veteran player. Yeah, and then I yeah, mean that was actually a good pickup by them too. I yeah. think he signed like a one-year deal with them. Yeah, been a pretty big player for them. But I'll go, I'll go Philly in six, man. All right, yeah, I think uh, Philadelphia. I think is going to win the series. I'm going to go seven games. I think Miami is kind of like a weird team. They're kind of like a bunch of young guys with kind of some mid, mid-tier mid guys and obviously veteran guys like Dwayne Wade, <coughs> Goran Dragic. So, and they're a team that's well-coached. Obviously, they play hard. They have a very good defensive schemes as well. So I think they're going to kind of present some problems to this young Philadelphia team. But I think ultimately Philadelphia, talent-wise, is just too much. And I think they're going to prevail in seven games in this one. So we'll agree on that one, and we'll move on to the last matchup in the Eastern Conference, the 4-5 matchup, the Cleveland Cavaliers taking on the Indiana Pacers. What do you think? Um, well, definitely Cleveland's going to win this series. I think LeBron has never lost a first round. Am I correct with that? Yeah, you're correct. Uh, he's never lost a first round, and you know you can never count. Even though they had all their struggles this year, I think they're going in relatively healthy, right? Uh, yeah, for the most part, I would say so. I think they have uh, their full crew back. Uh, obviously, uh, yeah, I think this, they're going to go starting lineup. Uh, probably what uh, George Hill, J.R. Smith, LeBron, Kevin Love, and uh, who else? I mean, would would they go uh, Tristan or Tristan? Yeah, yeah Tristan's get a lot of headlines recently. If you read, right? <laughs> you read all that. Yeah, Tristan, so, uh, uh, Kardashians are making a lot of waves in the NBA for some reason, like they always are. It's that Kardashian curse, man. I tell you, they got to stay away from them. <laughs> but I'll, I'll be Cleveland 5. You know, I'll, it's interesting to see the Lance Stevenson and the LeBron matchup. They always had some interesting um, yeah. interactions, I guess you could say. Uh, every time they play, Lance Stevenson always try to get in LeBron's head, but we drop 40 on him like it's nothing, so... I'll go Cleveland in five. Um, you got LeBron in the team, so if you got LeBron team, you got a shot, man. Yeah, I mean uh, this se- this matchup. I think regular season. I think Indiana won three of the four games, if I'm not uh, mistaken. But obviously Cleveland. I mean, you can't really. I don't know how much you can really read into their regular season stuff because uh, I kind of they kind of go with LeBron how LeBron goes and LeBron uh, in this stage of his career kind of just. Uh, uh, mails it in some nights, unfortunately, but uh, I think Cleveland, obviously, the better team. Uh, they still have LeBron, and and for the Easter Conference, uh, for now, I think that that is good enough, and I think they're going to win this series. I'm going to go. I'm going to go six games with Cleveland. I mean, that's probably a little too much. They, they should probably win less, but I just think their defense is a little sh- too shaky for me, and that's the reason I think Indiana will probably win two games. But I think LeBron, obviously, uh, is going to carry Cleveland like he's done the whole season. And I think they're going to prevail in six games and move on to the conference semifinals. So with that, that'll wrap it up for the Eastern Conference matchups. We'll move on now to the Western Conference matchups. We'll start with a 1-8 uh, matchup we have. With the Houston Rockets taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are in the playoffs for the first time since 2004 when Kevin Garnett was their leading star. And then Houston Rockets, obviously, with the acquisition of Chris Paul, 
I think they've only lost uh, two games the entire season when Chris Paul, James Harden, and Clint Capella are playing together. So uh, what, do you, what do you see in this matchup, uh, Houston versus Minnesota? It's definitely one of the matchups in the West I'm looking forward to just because the West is so stacked, man. I mean, Minnesota could easily have been number, like, three seed, you know? Yeah. Uh, Two games separating the three between the three and eight – between three – third place and eighth place in the Western Conference, so. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just, I guess I'll pick Houston in six. But I think it'll be a tough – I think it'll give – I think Minnesota will give uh, – Houston a couple of rough nights, but overall, I mean, with like you said, with uh, that Clint Capella dude, uh, James Harden, Chris Paul, when they're in the lineup, they're they're undefeated, right? Or they I think they've only lost twice. Run. I think some some twice. Yes, I mean, and if you notice Houston, they kind of just I think they kind of just rested for like the last two weeks. They kind of just played whatever. It's just kind of prepping for the playoffs. So I think they can come in fresh. I didn't see Chris Paul play too much towards the end, so. Um, I think they'll come in fresh, and but you know, like talent for talent, while you got Jimmy Butler, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, they have a lot of talent on that team, and they kind of match their star power. I feel like for Houston, but overall, I think Houston, you know, they got a veteran team, and it might be their year this year. So I'll go Houston in six. Yeah, I think Houston obviously is a better team uh, all around. I mean, like you said, they match star powered obviously with Butler, Wiggins, Towns, compared to I mean Chris Paul, James Harden, and Clint Capella. But I think what separates Houston from Minnesota is obviously kind of those role guys like Eric Gordon, Ryan Anderson, PJ Tucker. So they kind of have that that toughness factor as well. I mean, they have good defense off the bench with. P.J. Tucker, Luke Richard, Umba Mute. And then obviously Clint Capella is kind of like a DeAndre Jordan light, kind of catching lobs from Chris Paul, James Harden, uh, getting lots of rebounds. Uh, he struggles from the free throw line. So I think Houston is, is built. I mean, obviously Houston, uh, one of their fatal flaws, their both stars, is that they don't really go deep in the playoffs. They In big games, they don't show up. Obviously, Chris Paul has never been to the conference finals. Uh, James Harden had an epic uh, failure to the end of last season uh, with that game six loss to to San Antonio. So there's a lot of pressure on this team. And then even their head coach, Mike D'Antoni, he's kind of uh, known for kind of uh, just regular season success and that not translating to the playoffs. So there's a lot of pressure for there, a lot of people on this team. So we'll see how they perform. But I'm... I tell you one thing, they're very happy that they don't have to face San Antonio possibly in the second round, that's for sure. And I think they're very happy that San Antonio is out of their bracket until possibly the conference finals. So I think they're going to win this series, in my opinion. I think I think they take care of Minnesota in five games. Minnesota, Carl Anthony Towns and Wiggins are young guys. And then Butler, uh, obviously just coming up, returning from injury. Uh He's had some uh, playoff experience, I think, but I don't think he's ever gone to the conference finals. Like, it could be wrong with that, but so uh, he's he's kind of had some runs in the playoffs. Uh, very few, maybe as like the lead star, but I mean he's their most experienced guy. And then obviously Thibodeau, coaching the Bulls, he's had a few runs. So should be an interesting matchup though with the return of Jimmy Butler. But I'm gonna go Houston in five games. I just think. They won 65 games for a reason. They're very talented, and they uh, they have uh, they can beat you in a lot of different ways. They can beat you defensively. They shoot the three ball well. They score a lot of points. They have a lot of depth. They have a good bench. So just all around, I think they're they're much better. And I'm gonna go Houston five. All right. So with that, we'll move on to the next matchup, which would have been uh, a much more exciting matchup if both teams were fully healthy. But nonetheless, it uh, should be interesting to see what happens. Of the Golden State Warriors, who very surprisingly won less than 60 games a season, facing the San Antonio Spurs in the seventh seed, who won less than 50 games for the first time since we were at both in fifth grade in 1999. So what do you think happens in this series? Um, well, definitely, I think the Warriors are going to win this series. Uh, I think they're going to 
definitely Warriors gonna take it. Uh, it'll be a lot more fun to watch if they had a fully healthy roster with Curry and the whole Kawhi situation. It's just weird, man. Coming out of San Antonio, you think it's like some Laker drama, you know? Uh, but I hear all these stories about what's up with Kawhi, but um, it'd be interesting. You know, Durant hasn't really. I felt like he hasn't played well without Curry. I feel like they're kind of. You know, I hear a lot of people say. Uh, Curry's their most, even though Durant's their best player, Curry's their most important player, and they kind of make that engine run type thing. And then I think Washington, you kind of, I agree with it, the, the analyst that just says that. Um, but it would be interesting to see Durant just kind of like lead the team because I think Curry's out for the first round, right? Uh, yeah, Curry is most likely uh, not going to play for the first round series against the Spurs. Yeah, and um, Santono, yeah, man, I wish they had Kawhi been such a better matchup. Well, if they had Kawhi, they wouldn't be the seventh seed, I think. Um, but I'll go with Warriors in six. And okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, Golden State, obviously, I mean, I thought they were a, a lock to win 65-plus games again. I mean, just with the star power and the future Hall of Famers they've had. I mean, but it, it kind of seems like the total uh, impact is kind of taking a toll. I mean, this is their... F- I mean, they've three straight finals appearances, uh, two championships, obviously defending champions from 2017. Uh, it's kind of taking a toll on them, it seems like, this season. And then Durant, like you mentioned, obviously kind of getting a little weak mentally. I mean, uh, kind of a ja- uh, lot of jawing with refs. I mean, he led the league in technical fouls uh, this season. So kind of a lot of stuff going on. And then Obviously, Draymond Green kind of seems a little different too. I mean, he's had they've had a lot of injuries as well, and Draymond Green kind of seems like he's taking it a little easy. He's kind of the one that lights the fire under Curry, Thompson, uh, Durant. These guys are kind of like easygoing guys. They don't really show much emotion, but see, he kind of brings that out of them. Uh, he hasn't really showed that much. But uh, do you see some sort of uh, 2001 Lakers potential with this Golden State Warriors team? Uh, Kind of take it easy in the play uh, in the regular season and then explode in the playoffs. Do you see any of that here with the no, Golden man. State Warriors? No, no, def- definitely not, man. I, I think it's insulting to compare them to the '01 Lakers, man. Oh, uh, Jack and Kobe. I, I don't know, man. I think like the no, man. I, I think to me that's insulting, man. They, they, could, they shouldn't be compared to the '01 Lakers. That team right there should have really gone undefeated the whole playoffs, but you know. They give Sixers one, I guess. So, but you know, um, a few days ago, if you watched the show called The Herd with Colin, yeah, um, he was saying uh, how Durant is not like the alpha male, and he's like, like you said, he's mentally weak. You know, he kind of jaws back at the refs, and there were stories how he couldn't handle Westbrook, and even though he was better than Westbrook, you know, it was clear Westbrook was the alpha male, and he's basically. Colin, that Colin dude was basically saying he's not the alpha with Steph Curry gone he's like not a leader essentially do you agree with that? oh I definitely think uh, I mean in some ways maybe the maybe kind of like in the kind of that it factor they call it I guess he might not have that but I I think on this Golden State team I think he is the best player on the team he might not be I guess the most important player or the leader, but I think he is the best player uh, on the this Golden State Warriors team. I mean, uh, Stephen Curry is really good as well. I mean, he's kind of changed the the whole face of this game. I mean, kind of the the way the game is played. But I think Kevin Durant definitely is the best player. And uh, Colin Cowherd, I mean, he's one of my uh, favorite uh, talk show radio hosts to listen to. Uh, he makes a lot of interesting takes. Uh, he's a uh, a LeBron homer, it seems like. Uh, but, uh, I mean, he kind of has some, uh, somewhat of a point uh, with that Durant take that he's kind of not an alpha dog. He doesn't really have that it factor. But, I mean, he, I, I still think that doesn't really matter just because Kevin Durant is so talented. I mean, he's one of the best scoring players ever. And I think he's going to be probably one of the 10 best players in NBA history when his career is over. And... I don't think that matters just with this Golden State team just because they're so talented and they kind of uh, put the egos aside for the most part and then kind of coexist together and uh, as a cohesive group and kind of go far in the playoffs and uh, have historic winning streaks. And I think 
I think they're going to win this series in five games, in my opinion, over San Antonio. But kind of getting back to San Antonio, like we mentioned about the Kawhi Leonard situation, it's really weird to see such a culture like San Antonio. I mean, 19, 18, I think, straight seasons, 50-plus wins, uh, tight-knit, uh, disciplined culture that Greg Popovich, R.C. Buford employ with San Antonio, kind of similar to what the Patriots are in the NFL. Uh, they they make all the right moves. It's more about the team. It's more about uh, we than me uh, with these teams. And then it's kind of interesting to see this whole Kawhi Leonard saga and how, why he's not hasn't returned when he has an injury that's probably less impactful than the injury was to Tony Parker, and Tony Parker returned a lot sooner. So it's really odd to see why Kawhi Leonard is not back on the court and helping San Antonio in this playoff push. And it's just really odd. I mean, there's got to be definitely something going on there. So do, with that being said, do you think we see Kawhi Leonard at any point in the future in a San Antonio Spurs uniform at the beginning of the next season? What do you think? I would say based on everything we've seen and like heard the stories we heard I wouldn't be surprised if he gets traded this summer um yeah like you were mentioning man it's so weird you know uh, the San Antonio culture you never hear this type of drama since like we st- I started following basketball I never heard like this type of drama that happened between players you know they're kind of like you said like the Patriot way like the Spurs way and yeah you know, I if I put my money on it I would say no he wouldn't be a part of the Spurs moving forward um, I'm hoping he goes to the Lakers, to be honest with you, man. I know he's a free agent next summer. So we'll see what happens. But I would say, no, nah, man, with everything that's going on, um, yeah, it's just a weird situation. And then you got, like, Tony Parker kind of calling him out, Denobly calling him out, Popovich calling him out as well. And, um, you know, uh, if you saw, like, I think a month or two ago, like, Steven Jackson did an interview on ESPN or whatever show he did. He basically just said, uh, Popovich is the one stirring the pot and telling Tony Parker and Ginobili to call him out in the media, which is kind of weird, man. Uh, it's kind of like that Phil Jackson playing mind games with the media. But from what I heard, Kawhi, you know, he's a quiet kid, um, very humble guy. And I don't think he did any interviews this year, right? Like, yeah, like, uh, I can't, I can't really recall very many times where I've see, I've heard him talk. So Yeah. Definitely, but I would say no, man. He's not going to be in a San Antonio uniform um, starting next year. Uh, from what I read and heard, he's just kind of leaving his teammates you know, in, in the dust. Um, but, yeah, what do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, uh, Kawhi Leonard, I mean, it's very, very odd to see kind of just, like I mentioned, with the this tight-knit culture that has been built in San Antonio. And then it just definitely seems like there's something going on there. And... When something like that happens, I mean, it's usually, in most ca- most cases, it's the coach, but this is kind of an exception, kind of like the Patriots as well. This coach is so historic. He's had a lot of success. He has such an imprint on not just the team, but the city as a whole. I mean, the San Antonio city kind of revolves around the Spurs. I mean, there's no other major sports teams here. So, I mean, he has such a big imprint on this city, and I think he's kind of... Uh, He's kind of like a college basketball coach in this this scenario. I mean, the NBA for the most part is dominated by superstars and college basketball, the coaches are the superstars. But for San Antonio, as we've seen, Greg Popovich has kind of been the superstar for that San Antonio team uh, throughout their 15, 16 year dynasty, whatever, if you want to call it a dynasty. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, but I don't, I don't, I think, I don't, see Kawhi Leonard playing for San Antonio again is as tough as as that may be to say but I I just don't see him playing uh but I mean kind of with the trade scenario I mean you being a Laker fan uh Brandon Ingram and Cleveland's first pick for Kawhi Leonard do you pull the trigger this summer no man I honestly I I thought Brandon Ingram played really well this year um I know he had some injuries kind of after the all-star break but I see a lot of potential in him. He, he kind of got that Kevin Durant type game. You know, he's that long, lanky dude. And even Kevin Durant said himself that 
if there's one player in the NBA that reminds you of him, it's Brandon Ingram. And I think Brandon Ingram just let him grow a little bit. And I think he can really be that cornerstone for the Lakers, that franchise player they've been, you know, to take over for Kobe. Not Lonzo Ball, to take over for Kobe. It'll be Brandon Ingram. Mm -hmm. I feel like um, he's that guy that can really, you can build around. And, you know, I, I know Kawhi, you know, he's, when healthy, honestly, he's probably the best two-way player in the NBA, I think a lot of people would agree, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely that's uh, a very widespread opinion in NBA circle that he's uh, an excellent two-way player. But, no, I wouldn't trade him. Um, I mean, no, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't pull the trigger. Okay, so... You're more with building with the young guys and making a run for LeBron or Paul George. I think that's – is that the way you want to go? I mean, if you could get LeBron, you definitely get LeBron for sure and Paul George. But even then, when they get him, I always felt like, yeah, they, if they can get him, you got to get him just because that star power and, you know, their talent. But just imagine if they get LeBron and Paul George. Like, Ingram's growth would – it would stall for sure just because it's going to be about Paul George and LeBron. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, touches would be reduced. I mean, his star power would be reduced. So just a lot of yeah. factors to take into account. And then uh, LeVar Ball is another factor that unfortunately <laughs> plays into the situation. So Yeah, but, but at the end of the day, I don't think LeBron's going to go to Lakers. I mean, he goes to Lakers, they'll be, you know, a good team, obviously, with LeBron. And let's say they get Paul George, but I don't think it'll be enough to challenge the Warriors, even if they get them to. They'll still be that high West seed and get to the conference finals. They've been just used to the Warriors. Okay, fair enough. We'll both agree with the Warriors in that one. I have them in five. You have them in six. And we got a little sidetrack, but we'll move on to the 3-6 matchup. Portland Trailblazers, led by their stellar backcourt, D Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, taking on the New Orleans Pelicans, led by Anthony Davis. What do you think about this series? You know, um, I definitely favor Portland just because, you know, Damian Lillard and uh, McCollin, and they've been pretty consistent all year at that big win streak after All-Star break. But, you know, with Pelicans, with Anthony Davis gone, and it's just, not Anthony Davis, my bad, uh, DeMarcus Cousins uh, went down with the Achilles tear. I got to go Portland. I think Portland and six, man. Yeah, I agree with Portland. I'm going to go in seven, though. I think these are two teams that obviously play much better at home than they do on the road. So I think uh, Portland obviously one ha has one of the better crowds in the NBA. I mean, it's obviously a very tough place for a lot of uh, opposing teams to play in. And then I think Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are excellent three-point shooters. Uh Kind of like uh, Clay and Steph, not as good or historic as those guys, but they can light it up. I mean, and they can really uh, put a lot of points up on the board. And then they kind of have a lot of other guys, uh, Juice of Nurkic, Al Farouk Amino, uh, Zach Collins. I mean, their second year uh, or the rookie guys kind of showed some signs. And then New Orleans, I mean, Anthony Davis obviously is their – they're only going to go as far as he takes them, but they have some other guys. I mean, Rondo, the veteran guy, uh, Drew Holiday, uh, Nikola Meritich, uh, good three-point shooter. So I think this is an exciting series that will go the distance, And uh, but I'm going to go with the home team. And the home court advantage, I think, will uh, come into effect in this series, and I'm going to go Portland in seven. And with that, we'll move on to the last series of the first round. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, is Anthony Davis the best big man in the game? Oh. Right now, right now, man. I don't know. Best big man. I mean, he's definitely up there. I mean, I don't know if I can... I don't know if I can legitimately say he's the best big man just because of his durability. He gets injured a lot. That's true, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I mean, Carl Towns, you can probably... Carl Anthony Towns, you can probably throw in there. Uh... I don't know who else. I mean, Nikola Jokic is uh, a guy that's coming on. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins is very good. His teammate. Uh, other than that, I mean, obviously Joel Embiid as well, but you you have the durability. He's a lot less durable than – he doesn't even play like 
30 minutes a game, and he, he barely played 50 games a season. That's the most he's ever played in his four-season career. So, I mean, obviously with everything, if you take everything into account, I mean, he's probably... He's probably the best big man, I mean, or, I mean, one of the two or three best, if you take everything into account. Because, I mean, he can do, he can pretty much do it all, Anthony Davis. I mean, he has a good jumper, plays good defense, he's athletic, uh, he can, he dunks the ball a lot. I mean, he has some post game. So, I mean, he's pretty much, I mean, he can fit into kind of the old school big man game, and then he can also fit into today's big man game which is spread the floor guard uh wings and point guards up top so i think he can do it all i think he's really good but just kind of my uh worry with him is always the durability factor and if he can stay healthy in the long run that's really the the main thing and that's kind of the main thing with a lot of big guys throughout the history of the nba bill walton greg odin so it's it's always a question with big guys and feet injuries and knee injuries acl stuff like that a lot of stuff comes into account but yeah to answer your question i think there you can make a very good argument that he is the best big man and right now considering that it's a wing guard wing dominated league i think i would go with him being the best big man in the league all right, so. I thought you were going to say uh, Brooke Lopez, but. Uh, <laughs> Brooke Lopez. Uh, oh, uh, maybe he was the best big man in college and during his freshman year at Stanford. <laughs> All right, well, what's the next matchup? All right, yeah, the last matchup uh, in the Western Conference and for the first round, the Oklahoma City Thunder and facing the Utah Jazz, the 4-5 matchup. Both teams have the same record of 48 and 34. Obviously, the Thunder led by Russell Westbrook, averaging a triple-double for the second straight season, going up against the Utah Jazz, who many people picked not to make the playoffs, led by rookie Donovan Mitchell, uh, Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles, and their coach, Quinn Sider. What do you think about this matchup? Uh, it'll be interesting. You know, Utah's a very tough-minded defensive team. But, you know, I'm always attracted to that star power. You know, you got, you know, Wessel, Wessel Westbrook, Paul George, Carmelo, whatever you can get from Carmelo. I think he's kind of, he's not really that good anymore, to be honest with you. <laughs> but, yeah, Carmelo um, is, uh, unfortunately, uh, basically at this point reduced to a spot-up shooter, right? Pretty much, yeah, I think so. And, you know, I, I read some stuff the other day or I heard some stuff where I heard he was, like, out of shape, like, throughout basically the whole season. It's pretty disappointing. Uh, yeah, that's very that. disappointing, but it's not very surprising, kind of knowing uh, Carmelo's track knowing record. Carmelo, yeah, yeah, for sure. No, no, yeah, knowing Carmelo, he's not like that LeBron ready to go in that battle mode season. But um, you know, Utah. I really like that rookie Donovan Mitchell, man. I think he's a lot upside, and but Russell Westbrook, man. As like you said, man, back-to-back triple doubles, pretty. It's crazy, man. Do uh, you think he's only been done once? With um, who did it again? Oscar Robertson is the only one that's Oscar done Robertson. it. Yeah, and then and here goes Russell Westbrook back to back, averaging triple doubles. But and Paul George, man, after the All Star break, if you check his stats, it's really bad. He hasn't been playing well at all. Yeah, like, I mean, it seems break. Paul George. I mean, uh, kind of just does not uh, uh, have good chemistry with Russell Westbrook. It kind of seems like, and then. There's kind of a lot of questions uh, about whether he'll stay or not. Is he a shoe in pretty much just to leave at the end of the at the end of the season? My hope that obviously he goes to LA. You know, he's like that LA kid. Uh, it'd be great having Paul George come in, you know, Laker Town and see what he can do. But you know, you got these three superstars or one former superstar where you're just ISO players, the ball dominant players. You put them together and you kind of hope. Turns out well, and Carmelo's now just a spot-up shooter, and the Westbrook dominates the ball. They just don't mesh well, and all season long you kind of saw it. You know, it's all hints of potentially being the great team, and I think majority of it's you know Westbrook has the ball, and um, yeah, I would hope that I was actually hoping okay, so he just loses a lot, so Alder would be like, all right, man, deuces, this didn't work out, I'm out of here. But I would say. I would say they don't go far in the playoffs, and Paul George, 
that's it, man. I think he just moves on to another team. Whether it be the Lakers or not, I don't know. But I don't see him staying with OKC. How about you? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, even though Oklahoma City has won 48 games, I think they've definitely underperformed, in my opinion, considering the expectations at the beginning of the season. Obviously, I mean, this team should be a lot better than 48 wins. I mean, Russell Westbrook, one of the most dynamic guard wing players in the entire league, to go along with Paul George, one of the best two-way players in the league. And then uh, Carmelo Anthony, a Hall of Famer, obviously in his 15th season, not as good as he was before, but he can still score, give you at least 17 points a game, somewhere along those lines. And then Steven Adams, I mean, is a very good big man. He's probably one of the best five to six big men in the game. If you consider his defense and offense, I mean, he's really good. I mean, and it seems like this, they should be a lot better than a 48-win team and a team that kind of needed the last couple games to kind of clinch a playoff spot. So, I mean, even though they won 48 games, I kind of see see it already as Paul George has kind of made up his mind that this is, hasn't really worked. Uh, Oklahoma City was kind of just a, a pit stop, kind of just a bridge to his next destination. And which is most likely the Lakers. I mean, everybody pretty much guarantees that's going to happen. I mean, that's pretty much uh, a shoe in at this point. So I don't think he's staying in Oklahoma City. I definitely, it's really hard to play with Russell Westbrook, even though as dynamic of a fun a player he is and how very, how very fun he is to watch, it's very hard to play with him. I mean, that's obviously why Kevin Durant left. Uh, Victor Oladipo is a lot better player without him. Uh, Paul George has seen reduced touches, uh, kind of uh, less cohesion. So it's really tough to play with him, but he's a very good player. Uh, and I don't see Paul George staying, in my opinion. I'm going to agree with you on that. And then kind of going back to the series, the matchup, I think it's predicated on kind of who controls the pace. Obviously, Utah playing slower, more half-court style, and then kind of wrap ratcheting it up on defense and kind of limiting the possessions that Oklahoma City has. But I just think uh, Oklahoma City is too talented in this one, and I think they should win. I think they will win in six games. I think Westbrook and George will come up big. I think they'll have a big series, and I think Oklahoma City will win this one in six games. So if OKC wins this series, they would play Warriors, right? Uh, the Warriors Antonio series? No, they they would play the Rockets. They're the this is the four or five matchup. Oh okay, yeah. They'll you play the Rockets or the Timberwolves. <laughs> they would get annihilated by the Rockets, man. If they play my thing, but we'll we'll get there when they get there, right? Yeah, I definitely wanted to see Oklahoma City play uh, Golden State at some point, but it probably doesn't look like it's going to happen in this uh, this uh, this playoff season. So. Yeah, man. It's- so it's just some players, like you said, yeah, Russell Westbrook is such a dynamic like point guard, but some players it's just so hard to play with, you know? And it kind of reminds me of like the Allen Iversons and even Isaiah Thomas when he went to Cleveland, uh, he just thought he could do what he did in Boston, but you know, you know, you kind of support LeBron and he just has to try to jack up shots as, as much as he can and it's hard to play with IT, it's hard to play with Russell Westbrook, it shows, man. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Uh, I think we kind of touched on everything. I mean, I, any other topics that you wanted to get into or kind of touch on? Uh, yeah, we pretty much touched on everything. But today, man, special day. Like you said, diehard Lakers fan, Mamba Day today, man. Mamba Day. Uh, unfortunately, it Mamba. falls on Friday the 13th. That's the only uh, negative part about it. <laughs> yeah. So I guess for this one, I have a question for you. Because uh, is Mamba Day. It was like... It went by really quick, but two years ago he retired. The legendary Kobe Bean Bryant. What's your, if you would pick out one thing, what's your fondest memory of Kobe? Fondest memory of Kobe on the court. I'd say it's probably got to be somewhat in his early years. Uh, kind of that first championship run when they came back to beat Portland in game seven. And also uh, in the finals against Indiana uh, when Shaq fouled out in game four of the 2000 finals. And Kobe led them to the win. Uh, I think he missed game three of that series with, uh, I think, an ankle injury or something. And then he came back in game four and just put on absolute performance. And that was kind of the first signs I saw 
from a young Kobe. I think he was uh, 23 at the time or or 21 actually at the time. And that was, those are kind of young signs. Uh, the first signs I saw that he could become a superstar, potential future Hall of Famer, one of the 10 best players in the league, or one of the best 10 best players ever. Those are the kind of initial signs I saw that he could make it and kind of belong in the league. So those are probably my two fondest memories. Uh, some other ones that come into play are probably just that whole 2004 playoff run, even though the Lakers lost the finals that uh, that season against Detroit. Uh, I think Kobe was involved in the court battle stemming from the adultery case in uh, Eagle, Colorado. But So he would fly to Eagle, Colorado for the court hearings, the court proceedings. And then he would, for a lot of playoff games, he would fly back to L.A. And then it seems like that was kind of a sanctuary for him playing in the playoff games. And uh, he performed very well in those type of situations. He compartmentalized and was able to go ahead on the court and lead the Lakers to some important playoff victories and put up some big individual performances. So I thought that was very impressive and it was very fun to watch. Very nice, man. Yeah, he had, his, he had his best games in the days, like, he uh, went back and forth from, like, flying out the court, coming back to play a game. It's a crazy year for the Lakers, man. Yeah, so, I but, mean, speaking about Kobe, uh, kind of his uh, post-playing uh, days, I mean, he's kind of getting into the entrepreneurial side. He just won an Oscar. He's now uh, having a new show on ESPN. I forgot what it's called, but he's going to be the producer, writer, and host of the show. Uh, so... Are you going to be watching? I have a viewer of that show, and what do you think ultimately uh, is the, the the success or non-success of that show? I mean, definitely post-career, he's definitely making a lot of, like, behind-the-scenes. You know, like you said, he won the Oscar, which is, I think, it's pretty awesome. And um, uh, But he, have you watched Dear Basketball? I have not. I've. Uh, it's based on the letter that he wrote bef- shortly before he retired, right? Or. Yeah, it was just a short video. It was pretty cool. I mean, okay. the animation and kind of just, um, yeah, basically his layout. That was cool. But uh, yeah, I think that show will be successful, man. Like, you know, you got guys like Kobe who just so determined to get things right, to put forth like the best effort to produce the best quality of work. So I'll definitely be tuning in for sure um, to see what's up. Um, you said he's hosting that as well. Uh, I believe so. Yeah, I mean, he's a uh, producer, writer, and host. Uh. From what I heard, I could be mistaken about that, but it seems like he's a one-man operation with that show. So, I know, yeah, very Kobe-esque, right? Yeah, it doesn't want to delegate any duties in the <laughs> the show. But uh, it'd be interesting actually to see Kobe like host a show, or you know, just because you know throughout his whole career, he's never been like that personable guy who is like that lovable guy you see on TV. You know, what I mean, he's kind of like that aloof type uh, yeah I mean that's kind of like what his teammates uh, kind of mentioned I mean about him I mean he was kind of a loner uh, stuck to himself stuck to his craft stuck to his work uh, which was uh, getting ready for basketball games and never really uh, knew anything outside of basketball during his playing days but it seems like he's venturing outside of that uh, now that he's retired and has a a lot of life left hopefully for him so definitely man um but yeah, I'll definitely be tuning in for sure, uh, just seeing how it is. And but going back to the fondest memory, I think one of my fondest memories is obviously the eighty-one point game was just a crazy game to watch. That game where he outscored Dallas in three quarters. Do you remember that game? Uh, I don't like, remember watching that game. I remember hearing about it. Yes, I believe I was I out of the country. We, you were in high school, right? Still. Uh, I believe that was uh, our senior year. Yeah. I yeah, our senior year. Uh, Fortunate that year they blew a three-one lead against Mike D'Antoni's Phoenix Suns. Huh. The MVP of that year actually Steve Nash, but he was MVP, right? Uh, Steve Nash was uh, that was his second MVP. Yes, that year, yeah. yeah but um, another fond memory of Kobe. Uh, right, that two thousand one series where Lakers going in hot and man, every series I feel like, especially a San Antonio series where he just annihilated them. Man, just he was playing. Unbelievable, you know, scoring, rebounding, passing, and Shaq. If you remember that interview, he was like, 
your idol or something like that. Remember that? Like, uh, yeah, I remember. I, be, I, think, I think those are probably Kobe's two best playoff series. Those against Sacramento and San Antonio, that's, uh, that playoff run. I think I, I think he was I think he scored forty eight and sixteen in the closeout game against uh, Sacramento and then against San Antonio just two years prior kind of pretty much the same team that team had swept the Lakers and then two years later this two thousand one Lakers team I mean pretty much just blew out San Antonio I think they won game three and four back in L A kind of by like thirty and forty points or something I mean that was just one of the best runs to see. And then, obviously, Kobe in 2003 as well with Shaq injured for a lion's share of the season. 40 straight point, uh Nine straight oh, games yeah. with 40-plus points. I, th- I probably thought he should have won the MVP in that season. But, obviously, I think uh, Jason Kidd won it or, or, uh, or Tim Duncan, I believe. Yeah, I've heard that year, man. Um, yeah, I think he definitely should have won it. They, had, they lost to Spurs, I think, on the second round, right? Uh, yeah, they, Corey, did, they lost Corey to the... Uh, yeah, that was game five, I believe, yeah. Yeah, with it, like, they came back from this, like, huge deficit. But if he made that, man, I think they would have won four straight. But it's what it could have, should have, type thing. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, dynasties are made on a couple shots here and there, a couple plays here and there. That's kind of how champions are made, right? So a lot of stuff goes into it. Uh, sometimes it's a lot of luck. Sometimes it's a lot of skill. So just a lot of small things that, that kind of play into who wins the championship ultimately. But that's kind of just how the NBA goes sometimes. Yes, I guess last question of the night. Um, who's there, man, in your opinion? Kobe LeBron. I think if you take the overall uh, career, I, I think LeBron is sig- significantly better, in my opinion, if you take the entire body of work. But it's kind of... Uh, kind of a personal thing. It's kind of how you judge who's better. I mean, if if you go, if you're all about just part of being championship teams and finals record, I think you have to go with Kobe. But if you're kind of about the entire picture, kind of just like, I mean, MVPs, stats, kind of uh, carrying a team. I think, I think LeBron. I mean, the, I think has kind of had the better package. In my opinion, track record proves it, man. What? Track record proves it, man. Yeah, I think just the durability and then kind of the overall body of work. I mean, it's kind of just, I think, trumped uh, Kobe's entire body of work. I mean, so if if you take everything into account, I got to go with LeBron. Yeah, man. uh, Hate to say it, but I think I agree with you for sure, man. I know being diehard Kobe man, but. I think as I get older, you kind of just got to realize some shit, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I think I was always uh, kind of late on the Jordan stuff, kind of really realizing how good he was just because I kind of hated him growing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you remember, man, I always hated on LeBron, like, I shit on LeBron, like, every day, man. But, <laughs> but yeah, man, but I know there's some things I think Kobe got over LeBron, like that mental toughness, you know, that work ethic, man, um, Dude, Kobe, I feel like, was really hard to break. You know, you got, like, players like Durant who's not really mentally tough. But you got some people Some people are uh, really mentally weak. But I feel like Kobe, it's just like he brought up the whole court thing, like flying to your court, coming back and, like, producing such a good game. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think Kobe definitely uh, is kind of uh, more uh, hardworking, in my opinion, and he's kind of more about his craft. I think LeBron obviously works hard as well, but I think a lot of it is kind of just uh, he's a freak of nature. I mean, <laughs> you don't see very many uh, kind of people built like LeBron. I mean, he's kind of like a mix of Jordan and Magic and Karl Malone's body. So <laughs> you don't very yeah, see very many people built uh, kind of the way his body is built. So, I mean, but I mean, they're both fun players to watch, but I think ultimately when you look at it from a historical standpoint, I think LeBron is above Kobe, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I watch debates all the time, and I think a lot of people would agree that LeBron has surpassed Kobe. But really, you got some old school players saying, uh, like Charles Barkley, I saw the other day saying, like, oh, Kobe's still bearing LeBron, but I think all things considered, and I mean, I think Kobe does, definitely does some things better. Like, I think he had a better post game. I think he had a better jump shot, but you got to look at the whole thing, you know what I mean? So, like you said, uh, yeah. For sure. but right. it is what it is. 
Alrighty, well, uh, it was a, good playoffs, man. yeah, it should be a fun playoff uh, for 2018, and it was a pleasure having you on for the first time. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me, man. Uh, you get big, you know. I, I can say I was on your show, man. All right, sounds good. Wait, 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 one day when you're on ESPN, be like, Jay was on here too, man. When I'm in my small beginnings, right? All right, yes, sir. And everybody, thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoy all the games this weekend and the entire uh, 2018 playoffs. I'll be back to do a preview of the conference semifinals when all the matchups are set. Thank you, guys. Did you shut it?